Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. Christmas, a celebration of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. We receive right now absolute revelation that you are real and that you are here. Holy Spirit, thank you for being here, for us to be in the presence of God. Thank you that you touch our ears, our hearts, and our minds with all the busyness. We're all busy, all the busyness of, of the joy of being givers and sharing with people through the last few weeks. Settle our hearts right now that the word can pierce deeply and we can leave this place a people that have such a faith that is so secure and we give you honor for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to continue in this, the Christmas, the fulfillment of God's promise series. The Christmas story is a reminder that God is a promise-keeping and a promise-giving God. Matter of fact, the celebration of Christmas is a celebrating the birth of Christ as a proof that he is this, that he is a promise keeper. He is a promise giver. And in Matthew chapter 2, last week we, we are going to read this, but last week we talked about and concluded to reach the goal of an answered promise to pursue your future, we are to accept, believe, and wait on the promises of God. To accept, believe, and wait on the promises of God. So today, regarding this beautiful Christmas story, we're going to give you a greater depth of really what has taken place and what will carry you past your events. The events of your life, the times you pray, the times that there's sickness in your body and God heals you. To get to that event, how do you get through that and to a greater level, a greater place in your walk with God? We're going to read in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, and we're going to see and talk about some folks here, and they are the wise men. So here's the question we want to answer. What made the wise men truly wise? Because I'm going to give you the history of the wise men, and it's going to blow you away if you haven't heard it already. And uh, the reality of where these guys have come from and, and what they looked for, what their life was about, and how God transformed them in the midst of even searching for the supernatural without God God literally came in and touched their life. Let me just say this to you before we get into this, and I'm going I'm to have some fun with you today, is that God will do what he says. God will absolutely create things to make sure that you see his promise come to pass and in those that you are in family, whatever, that maybe they just are, let's just say it, that they're evil. They're not, they're not loving God. They're, they're mean. 
I want to tell you, in the midst of what they're searching for, God will show up. Don't you ever give up on anybody. And that's my goal here, is for you to understand how you can get past your events, past the emotion of your events, and into the understanding and the revelation, how to move into your future and see everything that God has promised come to pass. What is most consistent in all of the Christmas story is that people began to worship him. I want you to grab a hold of that. In every aspect of this Christmas story, it states that they worshiped him. Matter of fact, because this is the answer I'm going to give you, is if you look at all the events in the Old Testament, they worshiped him. When the events took place, they worshiped him. When the events were done, the answer was there, they worshiped him. So the desire was the people wanted to be in his presence. In all of the Christmas story, the desire was that the people wanted to be in his presence. Now let me explain to you in the story of the wise men you find in Matthew chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. And I'm going to emphasize some things when I slow down so that you will see the real story. Now, after Jesus was born, church, it says after Jesus was born, in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, understand, and perceive what took place with these wise men. Behold, wise men from the east, probably 99% sure, were Persians, came to Jerusalem. But notice, they went to Jerusalem first. Verse 2, saying, where is he who has been king of the Jews? Notice, they did not know where he was. For we have seen his star in the east. We're going to talk about this star when this was prophesied. They have seen the star. They were looking towards the stars to find something supernatural. And have come to worship him. The reality of that is that even though their lifestyle, who they were, because of them seeking God, God showed him, showed them himself. And they came to see this amazing person to worship him. When Herod the king, verse 3, heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. All of Jerusalem were troubled by this thing that the wise men came. And when he had gathered all the chief priests, notice this, the chief priests were like the pastors. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them 
where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. Written by what prophet? You find that in Micah chapter 2. But let's read verse 6, it's quoted. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. Again, talking about this star. Secretly, that he called the wise men because he wanted to kill Jesus. He was a leader. He was the type of leader, if you study the history of him, is that he would kill anybody that was close to being someone that could maybe take over from his position. So he wanted to kill them, and then we're going to find out that he also wanted to kill the wise men. Anybody that had anything to do with the story, he wanted to kill. But let me tell you, the Christmas story is a celebration that Jesus Christ was born and God's promises take place. That's why he tells them to come back. Verse 8, And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. Uh Uh-oh. Notice it says young child. And when you have found him... Bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Of course, he didn't want to do that. Again, he wanted to kill them all. Verse 9. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Notice again, young child. But let me tell you this. There was a star that is supernatural. God created something supernatural out of what we see in the natural. When you go outside of L.A. City or county, you see stars in the sky. You go up in the mountains, you see stars. They're always there. We know they're there. It's naturally you look and the stars are there. God created them. But God put something supernatural in the sky because there were people that were seeking the supernatural. And because of that, they followed this star and God led them to something that they were desiring. Verse 10. When when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, not the stable or the cave, the wise men, when they came into the house, they saw the young child, not the baby, with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Notice at first, they were, they were looking for where the child was. They did not know And in verse 12, then it says something, you got to see it. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. 
Now, we know these guys came to worship Jesus. And I want to say to you that these wise men understood worship that all of us can learn from. What made them wise? What made them understanding of God and understanding of this worship and this life that goes way beyond just the natural things of life? And what we're finding is it was about worship. There are three types of worship we see them do. And you and I can learn in our own times of worship. First of all, they had expectant worship. Expectant worship. The wise men came expecting something to happen when they entered into the presence of the king. The history of these men go way back. The wise men came about a thousand miles too to find Jesus. So let's talk about these wise men. Who are they? How did they start? I mean, you know, you just didn't have a group just all of a sudden they're appointed as wise men. Something began to take, there must be, and I'm gonna say this so you understand, there must be some type of club, might be some type of, uh, of, of gathering together of these men and they believed and they they did certain things that were, caused them to be called wise men. Well, they were called the Magi. And Magi is plural, means that there were many. And there's a lot of history, many hundreds and hundreds of years of the Magi. And they were not Jewish. I don't want to burst your bubble of the Christmas story, but they were not Jewish. They were Persian. The Magi is where we get the word magic. They were, from the beginning of their founding, magicians, astronomers, and astrologers. Some were sorcerers. Now, I want you to understand that when you study the word that God set the stars in the sky and, uh, and the constellations, let me tell you, a horoscope is not of God. It is a trick of the enemy that's perverted of what God has set up. But if you will, will understand, there are books that are written that talk about the gospel in the stars. And if you look at the constellations, you will see the gospels preached in the stars. And so when people were astronomers and astrologers, they were looking at the stars. They were looking, seeking something supernatural. And some of you today are here today, and you are looking for something supernatural because in the natural, you're not getting your answer. And I want to tell you, our promise giving and promise keeping God is supernatural. And they found, these three wise men found the key. I want to say to you, God showed them himself. These particular men were probably believers. Okay, now, why I'm saying probably, because I'm the type of guy when I teach, is I have to have scriptural proof 
that it says they had faith in God or whatever. And it doesn't say that. But their actions, excuse me, showed them and showed us that they were probably believers. And I'm going to show you why a little bit later. In Daniel chapter 2, let's talk about basically uh, where they started. And let's, let's begin by Daniel 2, verse 2. Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king, and all of them could not give the answer of, of the dream that the king had. Well, these men came from this group. Don't be hard on them, though. All of us, again, are born to seek after the supernatural. But if you weren't part of Israel, you were seeking for the supernatural other than from God. But how many of you know God can show up in that too? He can show you himself. In the midst of evil, God can come in who's all good and he can show himself. Don't give up on your life. Don't give up on what God's promised you regarding your family and your friends in your neighborhood. Well, let's, let's talk about the, a little history. Uh, in this, this group and in the history of our world, you had sorcerers, witch doctors, witches, horoscopes, fortune telling, and all this is not of God. So when I'm telling you about this, it's not of God. They have perverted the creation that God put the gospel in the stars, and they have perverted that to draw people away from God. Remember Moses? There were magicians, and, they could, they, and at times they could do some things, conjure up some things, but in mostly, you know, in, in the, the 10 plagues, you, you see that, that Moses and they all came and they tried to, to figure it out what was going on. So in all this, many theologians and historians believe Balaam, the sorcerer, the king of Moab hired to curse Israel. I don't know if you remember that story. It's a story of, of this guy... He's riding a donkey, and, uh, and the donkey stops, and the Bible says that, that he whipped the donkey, and the donkey didn't move again. He whipped the donkey again. Finally, the donkey just turned around and talked to him. Now, how many of you would think, whoa, right? All right. Well, many uh, theologian historians think that, that Balaam is the father of the Magi. And you find uh, the story of the donkey there, Numbers 22, and we're not going to turn to that because of time. But Balaam was actually one of the first ones to prophesy about the star. So what I'm saying to you, this is possible where these Persian magi learned about the star. The, the, the three wise men when they followed the star and looked for the star and followed the star, this is probably where they learned it from because Balaam was one of the first ones that talked about star. Later, Moab was defeated by Persia, and they, the Magi, go back to their founder. Now, I want to tell you, if you come on Wednesday night, you're going to see Daniel 70 weeks. You see a lot of this story. But what you find here, and listen very closely here, 
is that when Balaam goes to curse Israel, he couldn't. Why? Because God's a promise-giving and a promise-keeping God. And he says, I will bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. Amen? So when you get to this point, you find that he's going, actually paid, to go and curse Israel, and he couldn't do it. And so in, in the area, he prophesies about this star. Remember the day uh, of uh, the days of Esther? That was Persia that was going to kill Israel, and God rescued them through Mordecai and Esther. So when the Persians study their history, again, the God of Israel rescued Israel. Remember Daniel, the Babylonian captivity. That was Persia. And their magi could not interpret the dream. That was part of that group. But a Jewish man could. His name was Daniel. And Daniel was rescued from the lion's den. So here these wise men are reading their history from the beginning with Balaam, and every time they go after Israel, their God rescues them. Time after time after time. Remember the three Jewish men were rescued from the fiery furnace. And they read that story. And over and over, and they're looking at because they're seeking after this the supernatural stuff and conjuring up things, but every time they turn around, there's this one story constantly threaded in the history of Persians, is there's this God that is doing miraculous supernatural things for his people. And they're becoming wise. So these Persians, wise men, reading their history, they continually see the God of the Jews rescuing his people, honoring his promise to them. They go back to a prophecy that a star is going to show where and when this Messiah comes. Isn't the Bible awesome? I mean, if you just read it, it just connects. So Daniel prophesies Messiah will come in 483 years. And after the king, you know, proclaims a rebuilding of the holy city, Nehemiah, Jesus' crucifixion, 483 years later, it takes place. So the Magi go back the many years, and they see the star. They begin their travel. Let me tell you, sorry, I asked my wife this morning, it was hilarious. I said, honey, how many nativity scenes, how many with the wise men do we have? She goes, I don't know. So we, we have a, a few, because we love them. Why? Because it's part of the whole Christmas story. Matter of fact, if you read Old Testament, all the events, it's part of the whole Christmas story. It's about Jesus. So Christmas is an amazing time. It's the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Getting back to the wise men. When they traveled, sorry, they were not on camels. They were Persian. And of their, who they were, and their status, their status would not ride camels. 
they rode Persian horses, the best horses in the world. I don't care if you got a camel. It's part of the story. And so what I'm telling you is, is that we, we have a tendency to try to confuse people by the stuff what I'm talking about, but I'm just telling you, I'm telling you all this is because God is a God that promises and keeps his promises. And he will do it through anybody and everybody if they will seek the supernatural, especially if they seek him. <laughs> so they were on Persian horses, the finest horses in the world. And from history, it said that it took a little over nine months for them to arrive into Jerusalem. And they came into the house to the young child. See, that's why Herod proclaimed two years and younger, kill all the children. So the magi, the wise men, were not at the birth. They were there around two-year-old, Jesus. I'm all into the nativity scene. I'm into them on government properties. I'm into them everywhere because of our Judeo-Christian belief. So I want to tell you folks, enjoy Christmas. Matter of fact, isn't it wonderful? We're actually hearing Merry Christmas. And it's amazing. So what's my point? The story has been passed down for hundreds of years about this Messiah. They were seeking supernatural. They're reading the stars. They're doing all the different things. But God spoke to them through the history. Because why? He's a promise-giving and a promise-keeping God. These Persian men traveled a thousand miles to get in his presence and to worship him. This Christmas story tells us if they made that much effort to get into his presence, why don't I, why don't we make a little effort to do so too? Our God is a promise-keeping and a promise-giving God, and it's in his presence where that manifests. The wise men were expectant and excited to be in his presence where they saw through history, miracles took place. On the 24th, which is next Sunday, it's about more than Santa, the candle lighting. We need to be excited about the greatest gift given. His name is Jesus. And we need to be all out to come together and to get into the presence of God through worship, expectant worship, entering into his presence. This message here that I'm giving you is the icing on the cake, but the cake is the presence of God. When you will understand, it's the presence of God that changes things. It's the presence of God that overwhelms even when people are seeking something supernatural, totally opposite of God, God will move in that area when you are a person that worships him. 
The second thing we learn from the wise men is expressive worship. Matthew 2, verse 10 and 9 says, When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The, the, the phrases, they rejoice with exceeding great joy, is they express their worship. It says they fell down. It means to fall down violently and to be shattered. We need to let ourselves go sometimes in our worship. And we need to be shattered. The wise men fell down and worshiped. Let me tell you, I did not, I missed it. I did not tell this to the first service. But I want you to understand, I believe the, the expressive worship there and what it says, and the literal language that is stated there, I believe what happened here was that everything that they sought after in the supernatural as magicians, as sorcerers, whatever it was that they started and they studied, everything that they did before was shattered and removed from their life, and they became total worshipers of God and believers in, in God. And I'll tell you, that's what will happen when you are believing and you just don't go around and, and beg God, but you are a worshiping God and you begin to express it. And when you go into a mess with a family member or you go into a mess at, job, at your job, you can go into the restroom, you can go into your car during a break and you just can raise your hands and begin to speak in tongues and begin to proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord and express your worship to him and it will break everything. Yeah. Nothing will hinder your call and what God's called you to if you become expressive. Hmm. Let me tell you, one day every politician, every billionaire, every atheist, every college professor will fall down at his feet in his presence. Let me give you some scriptures. All in Psalm, you'll see it on the screen. Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Stop choosing songs and worship. Get into your life and allow yourself to say, I will sing, I will clap, I will express my worship to God. It doesn't matter what, it can be there. I remember in Cambodia, I'd get up early in the morning because we'd do things all day long because at that time I, I was a strong runner. And so i start running. And I told you the story the one time of that week that I was running and the guy was up early with his elephant going to work. And he started smiling at me, I smiled at him. And so he kicked his elephant and so I was running with the elephants. But as I was running with the elephants, also the Buddhists were getting up and they were doing their, their thing. And you know what happened? That just got me all extravagant in my worship. I began, Lord, I thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I began to worship him. I began to run. I ran further 
than I had in a while because I was just excited and expressive in my worship. And I want you to know, if you will get to that place, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. I was kneeling earlier today because of the song we were singing. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. On and on, Scripture tells us to be expressive. Well, let's go to the third thing. And I can't wait to share this with you. The third thing we learn about entering into worship and his presence is extravagant worship. Matthew 2.11 says that when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. When they had opened their treasures, when they had opened their treasures, extravagance, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. First of all, these these. Uh, gifts had prophetic significance. The gold was royalty, proclaimed in extravagancy his royalty. The frankincense proclaimed his divinity greater than any other god, and they were worshiping other gods before. And then the last one, myrrh, represents humanity, that he was born on this earth. He lived He was tempted like every one of you and me, yet without sin. The reason why the Persians brought these gifts is the Persians were always known to bring their best. These three things were the three best resources the Persians offered. They brought their best. Do you bring your best when you come to worship? I want to be honest with you. There are times that I'll come, you know, I've, I've had a couple funerals, and when I do funerals, I just, just because I'm used to doing it, it, doesn't, it, it devastates me. I heard of three people that I love dearly passed away this past week from around the country. One very special lady who, who uh, was in my church in North Carolina, and her husband and herself were supervisors years before. Her, one of her sons is our president of our organization. And for uh, the years that I was there, I was her pastor. My wife and I would have lunch with her. And this week, she passed away. Her funeral was Saturday. I was devastated. I couldn't go because of serving. And, and so I could come in with all this laid on my head, losing. But I want to tell you, I have understood when I come in, no matter what I've faced, no matter what's gone on, even no matter how I feel, I'm going to give my best to the Lord. I'm going to bring my best to the Lord. Verse 11 says they opened their treasures. Let me tell you when they opened their treasures. Back in those days, these kind of guys who had a lot of money would travel, and they would travel to their destination a thousand miles, but they would travel in the sense of we will bring with us gold enough to get us back if we were robbed or because they would hide gold in other places and so they could get back home. So literally, what happened there, they were gone for three years, history tells us. When they left, they were gone for three years. They brought enough gold for three years for their group. And the Bible says they opened their treasures 
to Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. Did you know then after that, the angel told Joseph and Mary in a dream that they needed to go to Egypt because if they didn't, Herod would come and kill Jesus? How did they survive? God's so good. From the very beginning, he knew he was going to use these wise men to pay for their trip. That's God. That's the God that will take care of you. See, God is extravagant. He wants to be a blessing, but he wants us to be a blessing too. They open their treasury. Something was so glorious about this toddler. One of the men said to the servant, open it up. And you know the servant, he was there to protect it. They had bodyguards. You know he looked at him like... (laughs) And I would suggest to you that probably one of the wise men, because they, you know, weren't weren't really believers, they probably got kind of angry and said, would you just shut up and open it up? Because it was so real in him. Nothing could stop him from giving his all. The servant would say, yeah, but what, what about our trip home? Just be quiet and open it up. Supernatural. You can never separate worship and giving. When you come to worship, you need to come with hands that are full. When you worship in your closet, you need to come to give of yourself to your God. When you go to work and you got a problem, you go into your car and you're worshiping, you need to understand, God, what are you asking me to give in the middle of this chaos? I'm not talking just about money. I'm talking about every area of your life. You have to give your best. If you want to go into a new level in your worship, you go to a new level in your giving also. Last thing that I want to tell you about the wise men. Remember they came into Jerusalem and asked, where is he? If you don't get anything, I think you have. But you need to hear this. They didn't know where he was, and they came into Jerusalem. And they were asking people. Verse 12 says, Then after they were in his presence and worshipped, being divinely warned in a dream. It says, after they were in the presence of Jesus, the toddler. It says, divinely or by God, they were warned in a dream they should not return to Herod. They departed for their own country another way. Never, ever, ever forget this. Before they worshiped or entered into Jesus' presence, they had to go to other people to find out what the Bible said or what they needed to do. After they entered worship, his presence, God spoke directly to them. If that doesn't shake whatever it needs to shake, worship. If I'm not a worshiper, which I am, I will always have to ask, what does this mean? Once you get in the habit of entering his presence on a daily basis, God will directly speak to you, and you will hear. And you know what will happen? 
every single day of your life, you will have a Merry Christmas celebrating Christ, celebrating Jesus. I am so, and I say it this way a lot all my life from the time I was a kid, I'm so stinking proud of you. I am proud of what you are accomplishing in your life. I didn't say we're all perfect. I'm not. If you're all perfect, I messed it up because I'm not. But I want you to hear this. If you will recognize your future is in his hands, the switch to turn it on is being a worshiper. Not being a complainer. It's proclaim the truth out of your mouth, not being a gossiper. And being a person that in the midst of turmoil will say, my God is a promise giver and he's a promise keeper. The story of Christmas, the story of his birth is all wrapped up. So if there's a sale on a manger scene and the wise men are on camels, go buy it. That's not what my message was about. And by the way, Pastor Dan, um, I really feel sorry for Billy, little Billy, because in his stocking he won't have that toy that you took. You bought it. Oh, you bought it. Okay. I just, 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 just saying. <laughs> Billy can relate to you now. Okay. Well, as I sh- shared with you,